Hello? What's your least favorite scary movie? We have such sights to show you. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the downright absurd in all of our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Even when we don't always get it. My name is Travis. My name's Jesse. And today we have another special episode for everybody because we're talking Hellraiser. And it's also our Patreon voted episode for Indeed this month. Indeed it is. What yeah. was our other option? I don't remember. Um, wasn't it Psycho? It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So it was between this and Psycho. So and, this one out. Uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking about Hellraiser today. But before we get into that, do you have any announcements? Uh, just a reminder that this month our theme is Pride Month. So all of our movie choices have... Some sort of connection to LGBT um, populations, issues, concerns, etc. Either by theming, um, readings of the movie, you know, general perception of the movie, cast, crew members. Um, you know, that's what we're we're trying to do. We are taking all of our proceeds from Patreon for the month of June. We're going to match it with our own funds, and we're donating that to the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. And friend of the podcast, Robert Atone, has generously offered to donate a signed copy of each one of his books to the individual who contributes, uh, who donates the most to the Trevor Project on their own. So you can either send screenshots of proof of that to us or directly to him, and yeah. his information is in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest thing about this month. That's it. Okay, cool. Well, before we get into the movie, I have our poll results. Uh, so we were talking about, what was last? High, high tension. tension. Yeah. High tension was last week's episode. So, Isn't it weird uh, that high is a different word in French, but tension is not? Uh, we didn't talk about that in the moment. You know, we didn't, did we? Yeah, we I talked guess about it. how to pronounce hot, but like we, we never hot. Uh, we never talked about tension. Tension. I don't know. <laughs> it is a thing. I mean, I don't <laughs> fucking understand any of that. Uh, okay, so our poll was uh, basically just how did you feel about the twist? And uh, Instagram, I think we're going to be surprised by this because... Okay, okay. what were the options, okay, first the, of all, before you feel... The, the options are hate it, love it, and implausible, but don't care. Okay. So on Instagram, 8% hated the twist... 75% love the twist. 17% find it implausible, but they don't care. Okay. And on Twitter, 44% hate it. 44% love it. 12% oh. find it implausible, but they don't care. Okay, okay. So I think... This this week, Twitter actually speak into my soul. Kind of. It's like it's split 50-50, but overall, it's more in favor because implausible, but don't care. That's where I'm at. And... You know, I I enjoy the movie, even though the twist is kind of just there. But, you know, I don't love it. I don't hate it. But I enjoy the rest of the movie enough to the point that it doesn't influence me at okay. all. We know where you see. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not, go listen to last week's episode yeah. again if you need me to reiterate it. Or if yeah. you haven't listened yet, um, it's actually a pretty fun episode. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> it was good. Okay, let's get into another fun episode then. Let's talk about Hellraiser, which yeah. um, kind of the same set up as last week's where Same you but went different. in yeah you you went into this one not really liking it i don't know if i'll say hate it but you've been a vocal about your dislike of hellraiser with me in the past yeah 
So, and I've always liked it. I've never not watched this movie and not been entertained. So okay. I'm curious to see how the conversation goes this time. Okay. Do you want my statistics now or later? Go ahead and do them now. That's okay. okay. Let's just get it out of the way. Um, I think this week it makes more sense because I've been trying to kind of tie them into the movie in some way. And I went on a journey with this one and it really doesn't actually relate to the movie now. Well, our... <laughs> The reason we chose this one this month is because the director yeah, is... Yeah, Clive Barker. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we really need to say... Like, yeah, I he's mean, gay. Yeah, I mean, very openly gay. I mean, we don't need to say it, but I do think we need to say it. It's Pride Month, and he's he's gay. Well, I mean, that was... The, yeah. That was... Yeah. We're highlighting these people, so yes. just make... Yeah, making it aware. So we watched the last drive-in version of this on Shudder, and at one point, Joe Bob said something about the fact that this movie got Clive Barker put on the list of the 100 most influential gay Britons. Um, a list I was immediately curious about, but not curious enough to do more than a quick Google search. Like uh-huh. I, I tried a couple different terms. It didn't show up. That doesn't mean this list doesn't exist. It just means that um, I don't know what it's called enough. And I just... Maybe it's his list. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> Joe Bob's personal yeah. list. He's just, I, he seems like the type of dude that would have a list of like He's most influential game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so while I was searching that, I came across, and this is the, the IO nerd in me kind of, um, McKinsey and Company, they're a consulting group. They have an ongoing study about women in the workplace, and they did a specific... Um, article, write-up, whatever, about LGBT+. plus, Mostly women in the workplace, but they do, like, briefly touch on other folks. Okay. So, again, this isn't necessarily really related to the movie, but I thought that the, the information was interesting, and I think it's also important to talk about the impacts of, like, microaggression, bigotry, et cetera, whatnot, how it, like, impacts a person's daily life if they're experiencing that. Okay. So the study, and of course I will put, I will link the article in uh, the show notes below, is called How the LGBTQ Plus Community Fares in the Workplace. It was published three years ago, um, and it was by Diana Ellsworth, Anna Mendy, and Gavin Sullivan. They have ongoing research about women in the workplace, but LGBTQ plus women, for example, are more underrepresented than women generally in America's largest corporations. Just four openly LGBTQ plus CEOs had these corporations, only one of whom is female and none of whom is trans. Hmm. So, and again, a lot of people like to say that that just means that these they hired the right person for the job and we shouldn't look at things like that. But when you have a bias against a person or a group of people, it really can impact who you're willing to hire. Yeah, I can so see it, yeah. That's important to keep in mind. Academic estimates have found that 5.1% of U.S. women identify as LGBTQ+, as do 3.9% of U.S. men. The representation in corporate America, however, is much lower than these levels. Representation of LGBTQ plus women starts to drop off, beginning with the first promotion to the manager level. While LGBTQ plus women make up 2.3% of entry-level employees, they comprise only 1.6% of managers and even smaller shares of more senior levels. 
This underrepresentation increases the likelihood that LGBTQ plus women will feel isolated at work. With so few others like them, they are more likely to represent their entire group when they're the only one like themselves at meetings or events. So that talks about the tokenization that can happen to an LGBTQ plus person in the workplace. They become like the token gay or the token trans person or whatever. And it's like, hey, it's Pride Month. Do you want to be on a poster? (laughs) Maybe? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, LGBTQ plus women, especially bisexual ones also experience more microaggressions, like hearing demeaning remarks about them or people like them. Um, I'm on a below deck binge and there was a very uncomfortable moment earlier as I was on my little, um, stationary bike and I went, oh, he did not. And Travis was like, wait, what did he say? And I was like, I'm not repeating it. So, you know. I gathered what it yeah. was. It was, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, compared with straight women and straight men, bisexual women are 13 and 28 percentage points, respectively, more likely to have experienced microaggressions. So, well, um, yeah. You know what? I can tell you one thing, though. Clive Barker spoke very fondly about his time here, so he didn't experience any, you know, microaggressions or. I mean, he could have still experienced microaggressions and I'm sure just chose to spoke about the, the positive points of his Yeah, trip. I'm sure. But, you know, I'm, I'm just putting a lighter spin on things here because that's, you know, not exactly fun. We're going fun, Jesse. We're going to hell and it's supposed to be fun. Oh, yeah. They did mention that a few times. None of it looked particularly fun. So Well, it's supposed to be. <laughs> And he had a fun time there. <laughs> I just want one of the movies for somebody to figure out the configuration that sends them to heaven. I don't know if that's a thing. Well, because it says, like, this box, uh, if you saw that, it can send you the pleasures of either heaven or hell. Yeah, but they're also angels or demons, depending on who you are. So maybe it's their version of heaven. Maybe it's, like, an AU pinhead. Like, instead of, instead of like, pins in his skull, it's, like... AU. Alternate universe? Oh. Um, I don't know, like, maybe... Why did you have like, to abbreviate alternate universe? Because I just do that sometimes. Um... <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know, maybe he's got like puppies all over him. It's it's, like, hey. He's got puppies coming from his head. It's yeah, possible. I don't it's know. It's possible. I mean, that could be your heaven. That that would be me if I was the priest in the lament configuration. It's called the lament configuration. Let's be real. Yeah. It's, it's sad. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's sad. laughs> okay. Anyways. Okay. Let's get into the details of this one. So Hellraiser came out September 18th, 1987. We watched it on Daddy Shudder. Daddy Shudder. And it's available as of June 18th, 2023 mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime, AMC Plus, Tubi, Shudder, Pluto. Uh, you can watch this like for free or paid. It's just available. It's not hard to find. Yes. But if you have to rent it, you can rent it on Redbox for $1.99 or you can go to Amazon or YouTube for $2.99. So okay. it's all cheap. Yeah. It's all gravy, baby. It was written and directed by Clive Barker, Mm -hmm. music by Christopher Young, special effects makeup by Bob Mm Keane, who was only in his mid-20s when he did this, and apparently has worked on a lot of high-profile things, like the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, well, you come out the gate with this kind of shit. Well, this isn't out the gate. If it was the original Star Wars trilogy, it was beforehand. Oh, I missed you say the original Star Wars trilogy. That's what I read, at least. The original, yeah. So, yeah, you do Star Wars. He also did some Jim Henson stuff, too. Wait, if he was in his mid-20s. Maybe he was in his mid-20s when he did Star Wars. Okay. I think. I might have jumbled that up. That math ain't mathin'. Yeah, I might have jumbled (laughs) it up just a tad bit there. 
All right, the cast, we have introducing Ashley Lawrence playing Kirsty, mm-hmm. Andrew Robinson playing Larry, Claire Higgins as Julia, Sean Chapman as Frank, and for the Pinheads, I've got all of the names here because I wasn't really sure what the names of each one were. The Cenobites? What do I call them? The Pinheads? Mm-hmm. Oh. I was like, that's famously yeah. Doug Bradley. <laughs> yeah. The Cenobites, yeah. Okay, so. I thought you were going to say for all of the Franks since they're... There's was, multiple. Yeah, Flashback Frank. Um, um, he's the same dude. Flashback Frank is the same as like present uh, Frank. No, like Gooey Frank, they said it was actually a different person because just, they needed somebody super skinny for the prosthetic. That's just the guy that's crawling around on the floor. Okay. okay. Once he actually is standing upright, smoking cigarettes, wearing white jackets. Okay. That's just like the same dude. Um, and then there's also the voiceover person yes. because Sean Chapman is far too British for the mid movie, mid production decision to place it in america You're getting ahead of yourself i know here, man. i know this is not the fun facts part right here okay <laughs> uh, but yeah i didn't i didn't get who dubbed him uh i did find skinny frank or mm-hmm. you know gooey frank maybe i should call him but you know he's like there maggot for, frank he like crawls around for like five seconds and he like rolls around on the ground i called him thing frank thing frank yeah because he looked like coming out of the floor he looked like the thing he did, yeah. And then when he is like as like a gooey man, he kind of <laughs> looks like Tar Man. Uh, yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but no, I just got Sean Chapman because that's that's our Frank. That's who we see the most. <laughs> and yeah. So uh, okay. So for the Cenobites, we have Doug Bradley who plays Pinhead mm-hmm. or the, the Hell priest. priest. Yeah. Nicholas Vince who plays Chatterer. Simon Bamford who plays Butterball, or who I like to call CeeLo Bite because he's like CeeLo Green. I forgot that you call him that. <laughs> yeah. He looks like CeeLo Green. <laughs> CeeLo Bite. I think it's a good name for him. And then the final one is uh, Grace Kirby, who plays. I couldn't find a true name for her. It's just listed as female Cenobite, but I've also seen where it is named Open Slash Deep Throat. I would prefer that because all of the other ones I know, they get, get names. real names. Talk about fucking microaggressions in the workplace. What do you got to say for yourself, Clive? <laughs> what are you doing there? <laughs> He's the microaggressor. <gasps> I don't know. I, so no. Deep Throat, I think, is yeah. the name of it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure they explore that more in the sequels. I can't remember if they go into that. I know they um, go into their backstory in the second one. Yeah. But I don't remember to what extent. I remember... Pinhead is like a little military boy. Yeah. That's all I remember. All right, Jesse, budget or Bugted? Bugted. Yes, absolutely, Bugted. This game's uh, a little less fun when I watch. Yeah. The, well, he's not supposed to go you. into the budget, but he did. He went into the budget. <laughs> Sometimes he goes into the budget. Sometimes he's he does. He's to go into budget. Okay, well, he did, and it was $1 million. Opening box <laughs> office is $4.5 million. Worldwide gross, $14.5 million. IMDb score of 6.9. Okay. That's rude. It needs to be 7, at least. 6.9. I like that it's 6.9 when it's like... 69. Yeah. Okay, maybe people are doing that. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, okay. It's organized. (laughs) Okay. So, I picked three movies from 1987, and I do have a theme. Okay. It's uh, Fucked Up Romances. All right. That works. So, the first one, The Stepfather. That came out June 5th, 1987. Mm-hmm. Don't have a budget. Okay. But it grossed $2.5 million, and it has a 6.7 on IMDb. Okay. 
That's another Last Drive-In movie. That's what I was going to say. I don't think we've actually watched it. I think we missed that episode. We were, we caught like the end of it. Yeah, I can't remember what was going on. We were busy that night. And then I think we that's just, when we went to karaoke. It might have been that, with yeah. With some of your some of your coworkers. Some of my coworkers. Oh, no. Well, yeah, maybe, actually. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so we haven't really watched it, but I know the whole thing about that is it's like a fucked up relationship. Next up, we've seen the other two, and I think you're going to be very big fans of these. Okay. So okay. first one, Summer Party Massacre 2. Yeah! <laughs> Uh, that released October 16th, 1987. I think all of the romances in that are fucked up to an yeah. extent. Everybody, like, I don't think yeah. anybody's truly there, but it's mostly uh, the rockabilly mm-hmm. guy because mm-hmm. he's kind of like going after her. I think that there's like he's wanting her. Can't stop loving you. Exactly. Yeah, he sings about it and everything. That had a budget of 500000 worldwide gross of $1.3 million, and an IMDb score of 4.6. Yeah, but... Tragic. But I get it. Deplorable. Okay, well, hold on. Now the third one. (laughs) (laughs) Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't have the release date for that one, but the budget was $250,000. Okay. The worldwide gross was $154,000. Okay. And it has a 3.8 on IMDb. I, you know what? A 3.8 on IMDb, a 10.0 in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that one... You know what? You also managed to pick movies that are all drive-in special episodes, too. Oh, shit. I did, didn't I? <laughs> wow. Well, that's cool. Um, I mean, the romance is in that one. He like goes on the whole killing spree because his girlfriend gets killed, right? Um, well, because he found out that she'd had sex with he kills her, her ex-girlfriend, and then, yeah, he kills her, and then he, he kills, kills her ex-boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yeah. He just, he kills a lot of people. He kills a man that's just trying to take out his trash. Garbage day. Um, we do have, like, a frame poster signed by the, um, the artist. The guy that did the yeah. Screen Factory cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really cool. I forgot he was at Scarefest. Yeah, like, it's right in my eyeline right now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I've got... Four-ish, five taglines. Okay. One of them. There's two of them that are on the poster. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're going with first. So at the top it says "demon to some, angel to others," mm-hmm. which I think kind of answers your question from before. Like it can either be heaven or hell to you, mm-hmm. but to some people, you know, who are into that shit, that's probably heaven. Like Frank. Like Frank loved that shit. I think. Until the Until part he where he exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's like, you know, the full climax right there, right? I mean, come on. Like, either way. All right. The bottom part says he'll tear your soul apart. I think that's the part where he stopped loving it. Yeah. When his soul actually blew up and got torn apart. Can I have an aside for a second? Okay. So during the anniversary drive-in marathon one year, I decided that I was going to poorly photoshopped Talia into all of the movie posters or scenes from the movie. And the one where I did the poster for this kind of makes me laugh the most because of the tagline angel demon to some angel to others (laughs) and because like the picture i have of her so that way she'd fit over pinhead's head her ears are back so she looks like she's in trouble that's your au (laughs) pinhead right there yeah (laughs) it's just talia (laughs) she's just like 
I'm sorry. Uh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys. Um, I will lick your soul apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next tagline, there are no limits. That's, you know what? Yeah. Eh. Eh. It's not fun. Whatever. Uh, it's accurate, though. I like this one. Satan's done waiting. And that's with an apostrophe. <laughs> I-N apostrophe. No G. Well, yeah, because Clive's not going to... He's a professional writer. He's not going to leave off that G and let you think that it was an accident. He's that, like, this is... I meant to do it this way. That just sounds Southern. Satan's done waiting. Uh, in the final, we have such sights to show you. I mean, that one... Yeah. I feel like that should have been on the poster. Like, that is like... It's a fucking movie. We have a lot to show you here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes sense. That's why I chose that as the opening quote. Yeah. I mean, I think it works the best personally. That because also like, all right, well, I'm going to go make some coffee. It's probably too like obscure of a quote. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've got some fun facts. I know that you listened to a lot of this stuff on the episode last night, but I also pulled things that you didn't hear. Okay. So okay. it's a little bit new for all of Everybody for all of us. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this was Clive Barker's first time directing. Mm-hmm. He did this because his previous two films that were adapted were done so poorly that he wanted to actually do it himself because if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. Yes. He chose Hellraiser because the story lends itself to a low-budget nature or bug nature, I should say. I I love that. I, yeah, that he recognizes it. Yes. I, I mean, that was smart. And this right here kind of should check boxes for you because he chose it because it's mostly set in one location and you love single location horror movies. Now, mm-hmm. it does explore a little bit, but really all of the shots outside of the house are like just like five seconds or maybe like 30 at most. So it's based off of the novella, The Hellbound Heart. And uh, there were a bunch of potential names that this could have had whenever they were choosing what to call this. Yeah. So it would have been either the Hellbound Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have also been Hellbound. Okay. Uh, Clive Barker suggested sadomasochist from beyond the grave. I would love that, but I... it would it would <laughs> fully be like in cult movie status for yeah. eternity if it, he did that. Well, it sounds like one of those movies that was part of Scream 3 that uh, her mom was a part of, <laughs> yeah. which is even funnier because this is Roger Corman's production company yeah. that did this, New World Pictures. I like to imagine that like Roger Corman was like, look, Clive, I agree with you on that, but I got a lot yeah. of other people on the board <laughs> yeah. that are not, not cool with yeah, that name. <laughs> we're outnumbered this time. Sorry, friend. Um, Hellraiser is what they ultimately went with because it was suggested by somebody. But another person on set suggested a potential name could have been What a Woman Will Do for a Good Fuck. Mm-hmm. Which I like that. Yeah. Which is essentially the story, basically. A lot of those movies sound like they're either Lifetime movies or like they're whatever the weird uh, Christian Netflix is. Uh, yeah. Fuck, what do they call it on Righteous Gemstones? I can't remember. Oh, Oh, G-O-D-D. Yeah, (laughs) G-O-D-D. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Okay, so after they filmed the movie, New World convinced Clive to change the setting to the United States to make it more appealing to, you know, a wider release. It really just made it fucking confusing. It did because they have conflicting (laughs) statements and scenes in there. So it's weird, but they went with it. Uh, which means that they had to dub all of Sean Chapman's lines, who is Frank, 
So uh, he did, he sounded way too British, which I don't really feel like that's much of an issue because British people exist here. So I don't <laughs> think I would have ever questioned it, you know? I would have only questioned it if um, they didn't also let Larry be British. Yeah. I. It's, well, and then Kirsty. Well, he's not really British. He still sounds pretty... American. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they'd yeah. have to, they have to oh, commit right. one way or the other. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. But no, I could see it like becoming a distribution problem in America because Americans are uh... xenophobic. <laughs> I mean, you said it, not me this time. <laughs> 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 yep. All right. So Doug Bradley struggled doing his scenes in this because they gave him those black contacts. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't really see well. And he was afraid of tripping over his gown the entire time. So he struggled hitting his marks. Um, I feel like he barely moves, though. I know. Most of the time, he's just like standing there looking intimidating. That's probably why he's doing that. (laughs) Maybe he was supposed to be all over the place, but instead he couldn't because he just can't see and he was afraid he was going to trip. Yeah. Uh, The engineer, which is that giant monster thing that chases Kirstie, I think. At the uh, end? Or at the is, end, it, and or is like, it the creepy maggot baby? Uh, it's the thing where she goes through the hall and it chases her Creepy maggot the baby. Yeah, I think it's the engineer because that's the only other thing that got a name. And I got the names for all the Cenobites. So. Well, because we also have the cricket man who turns into a oh, yeah. well, he's dragon just like a, skeleton at the end. He's just like a normal man. Is he? He turns into a dragon skeleton after yeah, what is immolating that? himself. What the fuck is that? Was um, he like a fucking Cenobite the entire time just like roaming Earth? I don't, like, what was what the purpose was of him? What was that fucking thing? I forgot about that until you just mentioned him, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the engineer was really difficult for them to maneuver. Uh, you can actually see them behind it in that scene. You can see their legs pushing it from behind. Uh, they were, like, really, really limited with this because, I mean, Clive was very, you know, new. He, he struggled, and he said that everybody was really kind, working with him even though he was very inexperienced he said that like he just didn't he had to like ask everybody everything and he just didn't know what things looked like Mm -hmm. in the joe bob thing he said he tried to check out books from the library yeah he tried to check out books on how to direct and they were all checked out so he couldn't do it (laughs) the lament configuration was very fragile it was constructed from wood and cut out brass and the person that constructed it, Simon Says, would often lay beneath the Cenobites in the scenes in case it were dropped. Because if it were dropped, that means it would take another eight hours to have to construct a brand new one. And at the end of the movie, they ran out of budget. So that's why it looks the way it does. And apparently a lot of people complain about it. I personally love it. I think it looks great. Clive said that him and some Greek guy, as he phrases it, worked on the animation over a single weekend, and he says it looks really good considering how much we drank during that process. Okay, I was going to say, how does he not even know this man's name? But He's that, that, an- that answered that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's all the information I have for this movie. So let's go on into our good, bad, ugly, and absurd. So, Jesse, you lead this off. What did you like about it this time around? Okay, so first of all, I'm a fan of Clive Barker. I haven't read this particular novella, um, but uh, when I was in middle school, high school, I don't know, my mom, one of the things she would do for me for Christmas was she would just get me like a big bag of books. 
Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, I think you would like these. And that's how I eventually got started on the Aberat series, which is a young adult series written by Clive Barker and illustrated by his husband. So um, I was, you know, I've been a fan of him. And then also, like, he he didn't direct, but he produced Candyman. And that yeah. is, like, has been repeatedly one of the movies that scares the shit out of me every, every time I watch it. Super um, amazing, yeah. So I've got a lot of respect for him. And I think that this movie, for the most part, tells a good story. Um, there are things like Cricket Man. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Steve ever gets a name until the very end. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, I never knew what his name I was. I kept writing Guy yeah, I was like in boyfriend. my notes. Yeah. Um, that is kind of clunky when you think about it. Yeah, so <laughs> I think, and I think maybe some of that was just, like, first-time director trying to learn how to adapt his, like, book to screen. Yeah, I could see it. Which I think is also a good reason he chose a novella instead of a full novel. So that way he didn't, he didn't have to like worry about like paring down. Yeah, like cutting more. it, cutting yeah. out things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also like the effects are just insane. Yeah, they're All really the good. All the practical effects they do is just, it's insane. They're, I love the piece at the beginning where there's just like where Pinhead comes out and is putting the face kind of together so he can look in his eyes because we have a facial prosthetic we bought off of a director at Scarefest last year and it just kind of chills in this room. So like, I was thinking yeah. of the exact same thing when I saw that scene. It does look exactly like it. It looks yeah. so real. Yeah. So um, I, I, it's got a lot of really good points. And I think that I like that this movie wasn't really afraid to go there. Yeah. Like it was willing to push the bound, bounds of like, you know, a, a story that maybe you don't necessarily hear so often. Yeah, I'm sure that like, especially for its time, it was super. Yeah, like it's sexy new. and it's bloody. And mm-hmm. those are things that tend to not go over well with ratings boards. So yeah, the well... fact that he got away <laughs> with as much as he did. Uh. It was pretty heavily censored upon release. For I sure. mean, we saw Frank's Wiener a little bit. Yeah, we did. I'm sure. I'm. I wonder if you were able to see it back in the day so easily. You know, know. like especially like England, they were like they they were the ones that did the video nasties. Yeah. So they're very big on censorship over there. Yeah. So uh, I I just like I have a lot of respect for this movie. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I think that this movie, it has a lot of things to be afraid of because, yeah, you can be afraid of just the Cenobites. And I know that they kind of steal the show for a lot of people, but I think Julia's character and Frank, too, are both very terrifying in their own way, too. Uh, she's definitely supposed to be the main villain, I think. Or you could see it as Frank, as he's like the mastermind behind everything, but she's the one that actually no, like she's... executes everything, and yeah. she's the one that's playing Larry, and uh, you know, Kirsty is like immediately unsettled by her. She doesn't really trust her from the beginning. Uh, yeah, I've always seen her as like the main antagonist of this thing, but this movie, especially whenever I, like I kind of see it as like a Team Rocket situation, where it's with, like a bunch of people, with Julia and Frank. Oh, uh, her like as like a team. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could see that, yeah. Well, I mean, and there's, like, multiple layers to it because there's also, like, betrayal on her part to Larry, mm-hmm. which is also, like, another... It's just, I don't know. I feel like she has more evil going... She has more range with hers. Everybody else is kind of, like, straight to the point. Like, Frank and the Cenobites are all there for, like, their own gratification. Yeah. She's there for her own gratification, and uh, I don't know. I feel like that it's more layered for her 
because she has a lot more going on. Yeah. Yeah, because she's... We're watching a little bit more of her downfall with it. I mean, yeah. obviously, she's already cheated on Frank, so there's already, you know, or Larry. Yeah. Um, I guess both of them. Yeah, depending to, on how you yeah, see it, yeah. Uh, depending on which brother you are. Um, but I do think that, like, we're kind of watching her decide, like, do I want to be a murderer? That dick's pretty good, though. She kind um, of eases into the murder persona pretty seamlessly i don't yeah. really it's not much of a it doesn't take a lot to get her no there. it doesn't but then again i guess like whenever you see like somebody come up from like a pool of blood from the floor and yeah, like they I tell mean, you to do something like yeah, all know. bets are off on your life at that point like you start to really question what is the purpose of your own morality it puts a lot like... in perspective <laughs> that's that's for sure <clears throat> um another good thing about this though i think that the atmosphere is pretty crazy when the cinnabites do arrive like the sound design of like the clanking of all the things as it's like banging around whenever like you have like the board with all of like the pieces of people like where everybody's been flayed and all of the tools and stuff and when the hooks come out and they just like grab onto these people i do want to say that like watching you play dead by daylight today and the the villain in the match you were playing was, was pin, yeah was pinhead and like yeah. it was just the attacks were just chains appearing midair that was pretty dude pretty cool. he was fucking tall like I like ran up to him like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I got chased by Michael later. Yeah, that was got, fucking crazy. You got carried over Michael's shoulder. Yeah. Like a naughty baby. I, I'm very new to Dead by Daylight. And I was, Jesse was experiencing a lot of this stuff with me for the first time too. <laughs> and it was kind of scary. I was not expecting it to be that creepy, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This movie, I, I think it's very good at unsettling. And I don't know. There's a lot to it. It's got that romance like nature to it also that kind of makes it upsetting and it's in all kinds of different ways okay so the bad i just don't feel the tension with this movie i just don't i like and i try i want to like these movies but i just don't there's something about it that doesn't grab me and pull me in it's very much a movie i don't mind having on in the background but like you're never going to sit down and be like, I want to watch Hellraiser. Like, it's just, it doesn't, it's got its moments that are really good. But like as a full movie, I just, I struggle with it. I think and, it's. And I can't even really fully pinpoint why. I think a big part of it is because I don't necessarily feel that tension throughout. Okay. Well, um, I think it's about how you, how you go, how you approach it. Because, like, I don't know, I feel like people, and I'm not saying this is you, but people will probably go into this and want to see, like, the Cinnabites because they think that they're going to be the star of the show. But, like, really, whenever you're watching it, like, it's kind of, like, it's not really, it's like a horror movie, but also, like, there's, like, a drama to it also. That's the thing. I was pleasantly surprised the first time watching it that it wasn't because, I mean, obviously, I'd known about Pinhead before I watched Hellraiser for the first time. So I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't just, like, all immediately, like, Cenobites. Yeah. I'm not bothered by that. I actually kind of like, like, this more psychological horror of what's going on between Julia and Frank. Like, I find that really intriguing. There's just something about the execution of it that I struggle with. Okay. And I don't know if it's because, like, I just, there aren't enough characters to really care about. 
because most of the screen time is dedicated to Julie early on, Julia early on, and mm-hmm. she's like, she's not likable. She's got almost no redeeming qualities until she begs for Larry's life. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why couldn't I have seen this side of her from the beginning? I see it as like, I connect, I, I like the, the characters, like seeing how Frank, we're not necessarily Frank, but like Larry, like his interactions with Julia and then uh, her interactions with uh, Kirsty. Like, I don't, just seeing like the whole dynamic and see it all play out. Like, I don't really think it's tense, but like it definitely hits you on like a level that like I find engaging. It's it's interesting. It's like watching it, it is kind of like watching a drama almost. And that has horror elements to it, which is nice because I feel like when the horror actually does come, like it catches you off guard sometimes and it like that makes it more effective instead of like focusing on the things that are visually horrifying or like some of the other concepts that they could have easily focused on more to try and like milk it for that but they didn't they like let the story play out organically and i can understand that there's not a whole lot of tension there with that that's the thing though is that like they let the story play out organically but like it almost feels like the novella is supplemental reading with it like you need to read it to get some more of the context i don't necessarily feel that i've never read it I, I don't know. I just like, I mean, I can tell that there's bits and pieces of this thing there. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, like seltzer water, like the flavored seltzer waters that I hate so much because it's just like a hint of a fruit flavor, but it's not like as much as I want. That's how I feel about this movie. Okay. I can see that. Um, I mean, I don't really feel like there's a whole lot bad with this personally, but I think it would have been nice to flesh out some of these characters a little bit more. Like, yeah, we don't really get much of that Steve guy. We don't really get much of, like, Kirstie and her situation, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she, she ends up being the final girl, if you want to call her that. But, like, she's just kind of, like, there. Yeah. She, I don't know. I don't really get her. I don't really get her as being the savior. But it ends up becoming her. She's the one that is able to solve the configuration and defeats the Cenobites and leads them to Frank. And, you know, like it's enjoyable watching it, but like I would, you know, it would have been nice to have built her up to be like more. Yeah. Because you just don't get enough of her, I think. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the most we get is like from Julia. Yeah, we get mostly all from Julia. Yeah. The movie's it's pretty a, much told It's from a very villain-heavy movie. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's all over the place with who it follows. Which is, like, it, I think that might be part of the reason that I don't necessarily feel the tension because it's like, yeah, we know murder is bad, but, like, we, we're not seeing these stakes of good versus evil here. Right. We're just seeing, like, evil versus other evil. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Okay. Uh, ugly? Um, I mean, I'm going to say, like, there, there's several ugly bits. Um... Frank hitting on his niece. Oh, yeah. come to daddy. That's upsetting to me in a very um, visceral kind of way. Yeah, it's, just, it's gross. It's gross. Yeah, I think all of the like the the cheating, the hurting, um, all of the luring these people in who are also kind of shitty too. Like, uh, and Frank in general is just a very ugly person. I like don't he's know. so fucking these selfish. These men are meeting Julie at a bar, and she is. The first suit sucks. Appearing sucked. very consensual. 
Yeah, the first dude kind of sucked, though. But that was when she was really nervous about the whole thing. Yeah. And then he was getting kind of, like, you know, agitated at her for being uneasy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you, not necessarily then, but, like, I don't know. Just the yeah, whole Yeah, I mean, I don't of, like that pushiness, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, I'm not going to fault these dudes for coming back to her house when she says, hey, do you want to come back to my place? Yeah. Uh, when they start getting pushy about the sex part, yeah, that's a problem. It's mostly like, her. Yeah. Her, she, she's a problem. And Doug. Or not Doug. Fuck. All the names are getting confused for me. Frank. I was like you last night referring to Earl and Tremors as Fred. I, my my names are all jumbled right now. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, okay, absurd. The size of this fucking house. So there's just so there's so many stairs. Yeah. There's so, I'm re-listening to an older cycle of Podletum. And the house they're in right now, Cycle 12, what up, crossover listeners? They they talk about the house is just really bad for drama because there's just so many stairs, so we lose out on a lot of good, like, fights and moments and stuff like that. Because they can and just go upstairs. Yeah, because there's just, there, people are so separated from yeah. each other because there's four flights of stairs. That's <laughs> how I feel about this house. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's insane how large this house is and also how gross it is after they've moved in. They really haven't done much to clean up the place. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's kind of upsetting uh, to see how much how much grime still exists in so many of the rooms. I don't really know how much time uh, goes by in this movie, but like, I mean, they just moved into it and Frank was the one that lived there and that guy didn't really seem like he gave a fuck. Still, like it was his fucked in, and that was a <laughs> that was all it was. Uh, my absurd is for this and also the second one because I've only seen those two, but for some reason, I feel like these people that are like gaining their bodies back, they like to wear white whenever they're at their most bloody. Mm-hmm. So like they put on these white clothes and they're just staining everything. It's like with a blood. status symbol. Yeah, like I don't know. It's just always weird to me that you're gonna choose the one that is gonna be more visible for that type of stuff. Like put on black. I mean, she. I'm sure she killed guys with black clothes. You know. Here's the thing. I know, like in universe, that fully makes sense. In the real world, from like a production standpoint, I'm sure they did that to really contrast more heavily with the blood. I'm sure it was also there to make you uneasy because it makes yeah. me uneasy. Like yeah. the whole the absence of skin and having something on top of that, like you can tell. Like well, you're especially be very after sensitive. Freak says my nerve endings are starting to work again. Well, then don't put on a tweed jacket, fuck nuts. That's just gonna sting. Yeah, I can't. I can't fucking imagine having to wear something like that with no skin on and just like he's just like grimacing through the entire thing. Yep, yep. I'm liking it. <laughs> Getting back. Uh, okay, so what do you rate this out of ten? Okay. I respect it. I just don't personally love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it a six. Okay, that's better than I was expecting, honestly. Like I don't, I don't hate it. I think it's better than average. I just, I need something more. I think I like this one a lot, but I think two is the far superior film. This is a good one though to like establish everything and world build in a mm-hmm. way. It gets. It introduces you to this universe and the limit config, uh, configuration and what is capable of and what the Cenobites are capable of. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. So uh, for this one right here, I think a good old eight 
is perfect for it because it's very entertaining. It's a classic. There's a lot of good going for it, but it's one of those that definitely is improved upon immediately in the second movie. Well, you're getting your wish because our starting average is a seven. Yes. All right. It bumped it up that point one. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Let's get into this. Okay. So the opening credits are actually in the lament configuration. I like that. I, I do too. I love it when the opening credits are like a part of the movie in yeah. some way, shape, or form. It's nice. The opening credits, it's good at setting the tone. Like, I, okay, cool. You guys did that right. All right. I'm ready for the rest of this. Yeah. Uh, so the limit configuration is actually being sold to mm-hmm. Frank right now. Mm-hmm. And he's at some kind of, I don't even know where he's at. He's in like another country. I yeah. Believe. They don't really, they spend absolutely like maybe 30 seconds on this whole setup here. Yeah. Because he gets that. He's immediately in a dark room by himself. It's not dark. There's about 50 candles. Well, I was about to say candles right there. Uh. But it's like no light on, just candle lights. And he solves the puzzle and then immediately is hooked and clawed Mm -hmm. and flayed and dismembered. And the fucking Cenobites, yes. Hook, line, and sinker. God damn it, Jesse. So, yeah, the Cenobites are there, and they. Uh, this is where they reassemble his face, like you were talking about. Yeah. I really wanted him to, like, say something to him. Like? But instead, just, like, the, the like, you're so far beneath me look that he gives him yeah. is even more devastating. Yeah, so that's how we're, like, that's how we start this movie. Like, mm-hmm. he solves it, they fucking shred him, and then they're just like, oh, shit, okay, what am I about to watch? Yep. All right. Two people enter the house. One mm-hmm. is the brother of the person that we just saw get completely mm-hmm, fucked up. Mm-hmm. His name is Larry, mm-hmm. and his are they are they married? Yeah, they're, they're married. married. Okay, his wife Julia is there with him. They're moving into the house, and it's she kind of in a very bad state. Bronze eyeshadow all the way up to her eyebrows. Full garage doors going on. It's not a good look. Garage doors. Yeah, it's just like a solid color from like eyelid all the way up to the eyebrow. No, okay. Yeah. Uh, there's like a maggots and bowls and shit like that. Like, it, oh, like Frank so left many it in, maggots. Yeah, Frank left it in a very nasty state. And I'm just going to say, if there's that many maggots, there should be more like flies and other bugs. Yeah, you should. I mean, realistically, yeah. But the maggots are fucking upsetting. Like, that's more yeah. upsetting to look at than a fly. Um, but Joy finds Frank's little sex statue, which... Mm-hmm. I you know I thought it was funny at first like it's just like two people like just straight up like having sex mm-hmm. and uh, I thought she just thought oh wow this is cool like if I found that in the house I moved into I'd be like oh wow this is amazing it's like when we found the creepy cl- yeah, uh, clown yeah, paintings exactly but like I now realize later after watching like, she's like oh shit that's Frank's yeah so you know Larry says he doesn't know where Frank is and she was like well could this be Frank's stuff and he was like I mean I don't really know he's probably in jail somewhere like he. D- he- it, you get the sense that, like, strained relationship, Frank's been the family fuck up for a while, and Larry's done bailing him out. And how did he get this fucking house, then? Is it's this the, the family, family house? house? Yeah. How did he get the family house if he's the fuck up? I think that they just never sold it, and Larry wasn't, um, like, in town to occupy it. Because mm. they said it's been, like, empty for 10 years now, aside from whenever Frank comes there to escape. 
Okay. Well, Chrissy calls. their marriage is pretty strained because he's like, this will be a good move for us. Like, we can just try and be happy. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell from the beginning that it is kind of like that, which Mm -hmm. is explained a little bit further here because Kirstie calls and he goes to answer the phone and talk to her. Meanwhile, Julia goes through Frank's ship and Mm -hmm. finds like a whole photo album of him just fucking a bunch of people. Yep. And she takes one of them and pockets it for herself for later. After ripping the lady out of the photo. Well, that's a little bit later, but yeah. So Chrissy arrives, sees all of this old Jesus shit out on the curb, which I don't really take it as Frank being a super religious dude. I don't think he would be the Jesus guy. I think maybe it was their parents. Yeah, I think so too. You can tell that there's a strained relationship between Chrissy and Julia too because they're like, like, all right, play nice with her. I think there's a strained relationship between Julia and every person she meets. I think so, yeah, other than Frank. Like, she saw Frank and she's like, I'm done. There's like, a common denominator here. Well, yeah, she's, <laughs> she just kind of fucking sucks, honestly. So they're moving in, and Julia is in no way, shape, or form helpful. Like, she's, like, slowly unbubble wrapping some jars, and then she's like, I'm going upstairs, and she, like, pushes past everybody trying to move a giant mattress that we never see again. No, I because think that's the mattress. No, there's no way that's the same mattress because they are essentially on a twin. I don't even believe it's a full when we see them later in that bed. Look, okay, this whole scene is them with the movers like struggling to get upstairs. I think that they cut it in half. They're like, fuck it. Like, I'll just like use half of it. Like, also, I just need to get something. Are these actual professional movers? Because they don't seem like it. These it guys are seems creepy. like Larry found two dudes hanging outside of a Home Depot and was like, hey, I'll give you guys 50 bucks each to help me move some shit up the five flights of stairs in my old house. <laughs> yeah. They're nasty, man. They're like lusting after Julia. Mm-hmm. They're and- smoking inside the house. Yeah. So many people smoke inside this house. Yeah. So many people smoke inside. Like you and like I just know how that house smells now because like it's an old house. It's musty, it's mildewy, and now it's got like this smoke smell. And I'm sure Frank smoked in there, so it's like seeped into the walls and the floor. Like I can I can call up that smell in my nostrils right now. It's nasty to think about. Uh, yeah, and like those guys are really nasty to Chris at Kirsty too, because they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, you get the mother's looks and he's like, Well, her mother's dead. Mother. Yeah, her mother's dead. So <laughs> that's a, that's always a good comeback right there, right? Well, she's dead, so fuck you. Yeah, like, well, is she at least of age? Yeah. <laughs> Pull a Tom Atkins. How old are you anyway? Oh, God. Women. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> and then they do take a six-pack of beer. They do. Holy shit. Because <gasps> they're like, oh, you got any beer? Yeah, that's another weird thing here. They're like, hey, you got any beer? Maybe he said, I'll give you each 50 bucks and a six-pack of beer to split. If you help me move my shit. I like how he like, just takes a whole six pack and throws yeah. it at them. Like, fucking take it. <laughs> you toss a beer. You don't toss a six pack yeah. that's in a plastic <laughs> ring. Yeah. And, and now if you're going to open it, like it's going to be shaking up. It's, <laughs> he did that intentionally because they were being assholes. Which, if that's the case, I respect it. 100%. Yeah. So they're still struggling to move that up there. And um, he cuts his hand on a nail that mm-hmm. is on the side of the wall. Meanwhile, Julia is upstairs in that room where Frank was torn to shreds. And mm-hmm. remember, Larry cuts himself. I love his immediate reaction. He's not like, I got to go to the bathroom to wash this, or I've got to go get a Band-Aid. He like, very like, 
I guess kind of he's like staggering and it's like he's about to pass out, but he like just goes up to Julia and he doesn't even say anything. He just like holds out his hand. It's gushing blood. Listen, it's just shooting out of his fucking hand. I relate in a way though because the other night, and if you guys follow us on Twitter, then you've already seen these photos, but I um, used a new hot glue gun that I actually bought a while back, but I hadn't used it yet. And I burnt the shit out of myself. And at one point I dropped some very hot glue onto my thumb and I tried to peel it off. And um, I guess it like, you know, became one with my skin because I did a full house of wax and I realized I was peeling this. And once I realized what I was doing, I could no longer look at it. I was like, Travis, Travis, you need to, we need to put something on this. This is bad. This is really bad. (laughs) Um, So I do kind of get where he's coming from because once you hit a certain level of I am too squeamish for this, but I also am an adult and realize that it needs attention of some sort. Yeah. Like that's, that's what marriage is for, is for these kinds of moments. I suppose so. I don't know. I just, uh, at least you communicated. <laughs> like, he just goes up there and just, like, slams his fucking hand in her face, and it's just like, oh. I mean, that is a communication. I Do words need to be said at that point? Yeah, I guess so. Like, Jesus, Frank, or <laughs> Frank, Jesus, Larry, what the fuck did you do? And, like, why are you here? Why don't you speak? Just fucking speak. And, like... All of this blood is just shooting all over the ground. It's an absurd amount. And then instead of her taking him to the hospital, he like she just has Kirstie take him. Yeah. Also, I need to talk about Kirstie for a second because she walks in before all of this happens and she's like, I'm going to go make some coffee. And she gets so fucking frustrated that the sink isn't working. And I relate so hard because once you need coffee, it's like everything becomes super frustrating. Yeah. And... Then she manages to like cause a spray of water in her face and she asks Julia for a towel and she like it's the most magical towel in the universe because she like gently touches her face and her hair is instantly dry. <laughs> yeah. We That's should all magic. be so lucky to have such a towel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the blood upstairs is like kind of sinking into the floor. Mm-hmm. The, the floor is like Yeah, it's like it's drinking it up. Uh, so later on, while Larry and Kirsty are at the hospital, a person actually forms from the blood mm-hmm, that was soaked mm-hmm. up in the floor. And like you were saying earlier, it's kind of like the thing. It's yeah. just like two fucking like stringy little arms mm-hmm. emerge and pulls themselves up. And truthfully, you don't think that they're going to be arms until you see the rest of the body configuration. Yeah. I like was claws. fully expecting, yeah, like a bug situation. Yeah. But he pulls himself up and he screams. Because mm-hmm. that shit probably hurts. Yeah. Um, okay. So there is a dinner party, and Larry's talking about his doctor experience and how the doctor was, I guess, kind of a dick to him. Why? Why didn't we see any of this? This sounds like an amazing story. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do. I do like the transition of like telling it at a dinner party because that is how that would go. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but Julia's like a full fucking wet blanket and almost kills the entire party because she was like, I'm going to go to bed. And I was like, oh, I guess we got to go too. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what you do when one of the hosts says, I'm going to go to bed. And you're like, okay, well, I guess that's my cue. And uh, the whole thing was really like awkward. Um, but one of the people at the dinner party, boy, guy. Um, Boyfriend of Kirstie. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, because he's like, you should get some more whiskey. And she's like, I'm going to be a little tipsy. And he's like, maybe I like that. And Larry's like, oh, God. 
<laughs> right in front of him. Yeah, the look on his face. Like the funny <laughs> thing is, like the seating arrangement. She's all the way at the corner of the other end. He's right next to Larry, and then like and you can see it on Larry's face. He's like, my daughter's an adult. My daughter's an adult. My daughter's an adult. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> He's had a terrible fucking time. Cardasan. He had this crazy story going on with the doctor. Now his wife storms upstairs in the middle of their dinner party, and his daughter's getting hit on right there. It's. <laughs> It's a bad time for Larry. Yeah. You know, it's also a bad time for his brother, Frank, because uh, Julie, when she goes up, Julia, I don't, I want to keep calling her Julie and I don't know why. Um, Julia, <laughs> when she goes upstairs, uh, is grabbed by uh, gooey Larry and he says, the uh, the blood brought me back and now I need more. No. And she's like, I need to think about this. I like first, he's like, look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Help me. Don't look, look at, at me. me. <laughs> <laughs> like, make up your fucking mind. I'm going to have to look at you if I'm going to help you, Frank. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, uh, yeah, I need more blood. Yeah. And she goes downstairs, and Kirstie went upstairs because she's drunk, and she wants to go back to that magical towel. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe it'll soak up. Yeah. Sober her up some. <laughs> yeah, soak up some of the drunkenness. Yeah. Uh, Kirstie encounters her on the stairs, and she's, like, thinking about luring her up there to Frank. But she's like, like that, oh, get away from me. She's like two problems in one. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't uh she doesn't commit. Then Chrissy walks off and smooches her boyfriend, maybe guy. Yeah, well they walk home. Um they're walking together, they kiss in the grossest subway station. Um maybe it's not the grossest. I've truthfully been in very few subway stations. Same. But it's very gross. It's not a romantic place, I would say. It's not the kind where you can like thrust the other person up against the wall because that's how you get tetanus or herpes or something. I don't know. Some disease that you don't want. Oh, yeah. Something that requires a pill or a cream to <laughs> take care of. Um, and they wind up back at Kirstein's place. Well, hold on. Before that even, though, that old fly bug man is Cricket staring. Man. Cricket man. He's staring at them and mm -hmm. like it kind of creeps Kirstie out. Yeah. But like there's like nothing about this. Like he's just watching and then they just kind of like see him mm -hmm. go Ugh, okay, and walk away. Bye. <laughs> so she is dreaming about like feathers and blood and crying babies and she wakes up in a panic because Steve wakes her up. Steve is there shirtless in her tiny little room. Mm -hmm. So they did the thing. Oh, yeah, they did. For sure. She's so sweaty here, too. Yeah. Well, um, maybe she went to bed sweaty, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but, like, in that dream, it was, like, it was Larry crying like a baby, but he was, like, all bloody under the covers. I don't know. It was really confusing. It had her kind of confused, so she's like, I got to call my dad now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a... Uh... Is there, like, a hint that, like, she's got, like, some sort of psychic ability, or is she just, like, very in touch with her own emotions? I think she's just in touch with okay. her emotions, because... You know, this isn't the only time that she just has this desire to, like, check on her dad whenever she has these bad feelings. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too, is that, like, and maybe Kirstie and I are very different people, but if I knew that I was calling the house phone and potentially would be waking up my evil stepmother, I would be so anxious about that. Yeah, but at the same time, fuck her. You know what I mean? And be like, ah, that's another way to get at her. I'm going to call my dad and pull him away from bed at 2 a.m. Yeah, but, like, what if Julia had been the one to answer? Well, then she's the one that woke up and got her night ruined. You know, win-win. So, Julia goes to a bar. Is it a bar? Is it, like, a hotel bar? It's like a hotel bar. Yeah, because yeah. it's very, like, 
high ceilings, um, mm-hmm. like businessmen drinking in the daytime. I feel like that's where they're allowed to do it is at a hotel bar. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like a dive, you know? It's not the Winchester or anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she invites him back to her place and uh, he, she's like, let's go upstairs. And he's like, is this a joke? Because like he just walks into this like grubby, bloody, maggoty, maggoty, <laughs> rat infested. Yeah, I uh, mentioned there's rats all over the place. I think Frank had like a thing for rats or something. <laughs> and here's the thing. This house has 12 bedrooms. Like, I'm sure this guy's like, there's not anybody here. A little better? Look, man. But he's so horny. He's like, let me pull That's... down my trousers so you can see my tidy whities And his butt. Like, his butt's coming out of them tidy whities <laughs> They're too tight. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Like, this guy right here, he, this is like what women are afraid of. Men should also be afraid of this because women are capable of also killing you by luring you. Yeah. Which is what's happening here. Like, if you go to their house, like, no, let's go up to the attic where there's nothing yeah. and there's blood stains everywhere. I Maybe think, have some second thoughts. I think at least they try and explain it away because he's like, oh, I've had too much to drink. I need to go pee. Um Yeah. So I do think that like they're like oh maybe he's just drunk and thinking with thinking with this pee pee yeah 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 probably yeah definitely there in that uh, situation. But Julia, she's a good villain. She was smart. She locked the door so he wouldn't be able to get out, mm-hmm. and because it's an old house, it like locks with a key. Like it's not like a little yeah. Um, so I I hope um the listeners understood that. I did a <laughs> hand motion too, which I realize is not helpful, but I hope you guys get it. Uh, <laughs> and while he's like, hey, let me out, she hits him with a hammer in his head a lot of times. Oh, yeah, man. Hammer to the head is her preferred method of killing people in this movie. It's effective. Yeah. It's a painful way to go. Yeah. Well, I and I like that they put up like little, two little hooks so they can just gently place yeah. the hammer back there every time. I wish they did like the Texas Chainsaw thing though, where he like shakes like the guy oh, does. Uh, yeah, that would have like yeah. added to it, I think. Or like uh, Midsummer with Cheaty. Yeah, with, yeah, oh my yeah. god. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Julie, because she's now very bloody because it's splattered um, in a spray of red paint. How she... the fuck does she get out of this? So Larry comes well, home. No, Frank is like, don't look at me. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I love these shots of him in the background, and it's like very, like, it looks like a boy. It looks like a little tiny Jason from like the Friday the 13th yeah. movies. And he's just like sliming across the floor mm-hmm. just really quickly. I thought, is he eating them? What is he's he like doing? He's like sticking his fingers into their necks and like absorbing their essence or something. Uh, that's how I interpret it anyway. Okay, I always like thought it was kind of like eating too, but I don't know. Yeah. But we're not supposed to look at him. How are yeah, we supposed to fucking I, I, know it's gonna I, I don't know. But Julia, here's Larry and just ignores him for as long as humanly possible. And she goes into the bathroom and she uses her magic towel to wipe the blood off her face without messing up her makeup at all. No, before that even, she takes the dead body. Like she doesn't even leave it in that room. She takes it and puts it in some random room. Where the fuck does she dispose of this body at where he won't find it? In the closet, we find it later when Kirsty's hiding. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So I think the reason she gets away with this because when Larry does come upstairs and she's in the bathroom, she's like, I'm not feeling good. He's like, oh, can I get you anything? She said, a brandy. He goes, all right, I'll be right back. Which like, what kind of not feeling well are you that a brandy is gonna? That should have been his first (laughs) Maybe she always does that though. She drinks when she's sick? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. There are plenty of people who do. Yeah. Um, but I think 
Because she's like, no, I'll, I'll be downstairs. I think, like, they both kind of already have one foot out the door with this marriage. So I think, like, he's just like, whatever. She's going to be like this to me. I'm not going to worry too much about her. Yeah, I guess. You know, I totally understand that. You know, just fuck it. Whatever. If she doesn't want me up here, then fuck it. I'll go down there and I'll get my own brandy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she goes into the room as just to check up on things. And Frank is now... Like in more of a body, he's no longer slimy yeah. little boy. He's now like, you know, full on man. He again. looks like um like an anatomy model in science class. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says, "I need one to two more," which is a valiant effort to guess because you've never done this before. Well, you don't know how much it takes <laughs> to regrow your skin. Okay, all he had before was Larry's blood hand, <laughs> hand blood. <laughs> and that got him pretty far. And he was able to crawl around for a little bit. And then from one person, he's like upright. So I think he could maybe gauge it, but he definitely needs more than that. Yeah, no, he was wrong. Go. He was wrong. Yeah. Kirstie got a job mm -hmm. at an exotic pet shop, and she is having a bad first day. Yeah. Okay. So Cricket Man earns his name Cricket Man. Yeah. He just dips his hand in there and starts eating the crickets. And she doesn't really know how to respond other than to point out that he's stealing the crickets. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you need to put those back. <laughs> Which like, and then when people are like, what's wrong, Kirsty? What happened? And she's like, ugh, nothing. I would like, just be what? like, I just saw a man eat a handful of crickets. Like, is this, is this normal? <laughs> this is my first day. So you guys, I mean, am I supposed to be phased by this? <laughs> but yeah, everybody, she doesn't tell anybody. The guy just eats bugs and walks away. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we cut to Julia bringing home, yeah, another guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she kills him. Rank consumes. Come so, to daddy. So, I'm assuming that these clothes that he's now wearing are Larry's. My question is... What if he... <laughs> how many of his Wait. suits can Julia steal from his closet before he notices that his clothes are going missing? I think it, it makes more sense for it to be the clothes of the people he's killing. You know? But there are different sizes. Yeah, I know, but like, what makes you think that him and Larry are the same size? Just because they're brothers, that doesn't make any I guess, sense. I guess for me, I would rather, if I had no flesh, <sighs> I, from like a sterilization standpoint, it would be a little bit more hygienic to have on your brother's clean clothes than this dirty barman's worn outfit. You gotta explain the blood stains. Or why they are missing. Either way, I think it would have been better and more accurate if he was wearing a bunch of clothes that didn't fit. Like he's got one that's like gigantic <laughs> on him. Yeah. And then his like pants are a little he bit too like tight. Nathan Fielder in that <laughs> yeah. one episode. <laughs> yeah, like that. Or like uh, David Burns when he's yeah. doing his big boy interview. Yeah, you know, I, I wish we had some of that. But everything fits him fine. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, he's now wearing the clothes. He's smoking a cig. He can taste now. He tells her what he went through. Yeah, he shows her the lament configuration. Yeah, and he basically shows her what she, what he went through through the box. Yeah. And she is horrified. Yeah, and to him, he's like, no, that shit was hot. Like, that was what I wanted. And um, I just didn't like the part where I exploded and yeah. had to be reborn by blood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so... Larry and Julia are watching boxing, and he's really, really into it. And Julia is in a faraway place, and he's like, I know you don't really like these. Do you want me to change it? And she goes, no. 
No, she's actually it's more fine. into it. He's like, I know that this stuff usually makes you sick, but like, I didn't realize you're actually into this now. Like, she's like becoming more desensitized to violence because she's killing all these people. So like now, whenever people are beating the shit out of each other on TV, she's like, oh fuck yeah, I could use that next time. So the problem happens when there's a sound upstairs. Oh yeah. And Larry's like, we need to go investigate, and she is doing everything she can to not investigate. She's like, it's probably just a raccoon, and he's like, well, we need to take care of that shit then. She goes, it's yeah. rats. <laughs> we need to take care of that shit then. And she's like, I'm I'm terrified of the storm. And then she tries to seduce him, and they mm-hmm. kiss for a second, and he's like. No, nah, I still so, need to go check. Yeah, like if it's the storm, then I need to close the window. He's like, I, there's nothing that is stopping me from getting up there. So he goes up there. Frank has hidden himself. So Larry comes back down. He's like, all right, now let's get back to the kissing. Um, so they go to the bedroom and they're like making out and he's really into it. And she's like kind of just like whatever. She's until just sitting she, there. Until she sees Frank, and then he pulls out his little switchblade, and she's like, no, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. <laughs> and then Larry's like, that's a really weird, um, A, a weird thing to say, like, when you have changed your mind, but also, like, you changed your mind so fast. Like, you hit on me, and now all of a sudden you're not into it. Larry, though, it took him way too long. It, yeah, no, there was way too many instances of her saying, no, please, no, I can't yeah. bear it. That's like, not a good look on you, Larry. Yeah, it was like 10 seconds of her like straight up shouting and then like eventually he's like, God, I don't understand. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude, like, yeah, just stop after the first one. That was kind of getting weird there. Yeah. Uh, Especially yeah. her saying, I can't bear it. Like, Yeah, like, damn. It's like uh, Jennifer's body was, it was like, oh, I'm too big. Yeah, she's like crying. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So Frank spears him, walks off Uh, for now. Yeah. Uh, So Larry and Kirsty are getting dinner together, and they talk about Julia and how they both hate her. I like how they're both venting about Uh, her here. Like, yeah, she's like, man, dad, she sucks. Like, yeah, I know she fucking sucks, but maybe she just needs a friend. So you need to be nice to her. Like, I wouldn't be like that if I were the dad. I'd be like, yeah, she kind of fucking sucks. And I don't want you around her either. Yeah, she's... he's like, she's getting weird. She won't leave the house. Um, I think maybe she's murdered some people. Hey, Kirsty, do you want to go be alone in the house with her? That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I know the place smelled really bad when we first got there, but now it's smelling a little bit more dead. And I just can't really explain it. <laughs> it's kind of goopy. I keep going into that room and there's just like slime yeah. everywhere. And like. Maybe there's a lot of really large slugs. You know what, Kirstie? I just don't know. (laughs) So she agrees that she'll go and try and play nice with Julia, um, which I feel like is the wrong move. Like forcing them together is not going to help either. No, no. He's just he's going for short term solutions, and this is just not the way to go about this. It's like it's his hail mary. Yeah, he's like I I need to find. Maybe he's hoping that they'll get into a fight, so he has an excuse to yeah. divorce her. <laughs> yeah, maybe I guess. Um. So unfortunately, at the same time, Kirstie's walking in is when Julia is bringing one of um Frank's meals to him. Yeah, this guy almost like. He actually puts up a fight. He kind of starts to get away. Yeah, Kirsty like, can hear I'm the not, screaming. Yeah, like so when Julia like leads him upstairs, he's like, "Nope, I'm I'm out." And then they don't do as good a job. Like they got worse at murder. Somehow. She like I it almost looked like she was kind of protecting him, which was weird because like Frank has to throw her off like out of the way, and the guy kind of gets out of the door and he's already partially absorbed by Frank at this point. So when Kirsty sees him, he's kind of like, 
He looks creepy yeah. as fuck. They do a great job with these bodies whenever they're like at the stake. They kind of look like the poor unfortunate souls in Ursula's little bowl in the animated Little Mermaid. It's been or a long like, time. Or like the um the souls in the river sticks in the Hercules movie. You bring in all these Disney references that I don't remember. I got plenty of them. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. It's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, but she's Sees that, rightfully freaks out and runs away. But she like she no. gets Frank catches her. Yeah, Frank and comes yeah. to daddy come to daddy's her. Yeah. He says I love that line, but it's freaky. It's, it's like fucking creepy. Yeah. But, and um, she realizes she sees the lament configuration and she somehow pieces together that it's important. So she takes it from him and he's like, You better give it back. And she says, Oh, you want it? Oh, you want it? Like she's playing with a puppy. Mm-hmm. But she's taking her job at the, <laughs> yeah. at the animal shop very seriously. Um, and she throws it through the window. And then while he's like stunned, she runs out real quick and grabs it and then runs. And then she passes out with a bunch of concerned people staring at her. I like to imagine that special effects guy cried when they shot that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't break it, please. <laughs> yeah, she just passes out on the street. <laughs> and then she wakes up in the hospital. And the doctor is weirdly hostile to her right yeah like okay you can call your dad but you got to answer some questions first little girl the police obviously want to talk to you and she's like why is that obvious and he goes i'll leave this here to jog your memory and it's the lament configuration i like to imagine that like he wanted really badly to be like a private investigator but he's like ah, i gotta be a doctor the That's only thing i can think of is that she had blood on her from where frank assaulted her oh yeah because it's very bloody and slimy. yeah and she's got no like wounds of her own so it's clearly somebody else's blood ah, yeah, okay. so that's yeah. the that's the only thing i can think of yeah but it's interesting that they give her the limit configuration like you probably sold this but here keep it yeah so she's playing with it and uh solves it accidentally like, this thing has to be like super easy to solve right because everybody like is able to solve it within the first five seconds of touching it yeah i want it to be like a fucking rubik's cube where somebody's sitting there and they're like takes forever like i just have one green square and it, the rest is orange yeah. and it's so frustrating <laughs> and like I, I just don't fully understand it it's like you touch it and it just moves in all the yeah. ways it's like it, it solves itself essentially <laughs> and uh so it did solve itself and it opens up this hallway mm-hmm. and she goes through it because she's curious mm-hmm. so as she's walking down there there's like crying she hears that baby crying mm-hmm. i think from her dreams and then as she goes further down the hall that's when the demon thing which yeah uh, um, evil maggot baby yeah evil maggot baby or the engineer as it was actually called um starts to chase her down the hallway so she runs back out the wall closes itself but now uh-oh cenobites appear yep so they're like you solved the box we came <laughs> She's like, I really didn't. Like, yeah. I was, it was an accident. It was a pocket dial. Um. Dude, Pinhead is fucking sassy in this scene right here. He's like, no, do not cry. That is a waste of uh, the pleasure. Yeah, like, dude, calm yeah, down. Yeah. Like, like it, does she look like your normal clientele? Like, chill out I know, for a right? Second. Like, obviously, it was done by accident. But he's like, no, you want to see this shit. And then she's like, Frank Cotton, he got away from you all. And they're like, he did not. Nobody gets away. And it's like. What's security like down in hell? Because yeah. uh, you haven't even noticed he's gone and he's eaten three people. 
Yeah, there's a lot. Of, he's he's super goopy right now. He he's calling himself yeah. daddy. It was he's yeah, getting kind of weird. weird right now. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, she's like, okay, I will show you him if you guys spare me. And they're like, maybe we will, maybe we won't. But show us to where he is. And she realizes that's the best kind of a deal she'll get. Yeah. She was like, I'll figure it out later. But at the moment, I can at least solve the Frank problem. Yeah. yeah. So she does. She goes over to the house. She wants to talk to her dad. Mm-hmm. But um, by the time she gets there, the dad is acting kind of strange. How does she not notice the blood all around his hairline? Like where he just fucking stapled the face on yeah. his face. And like <laughs> she hugged him. So I feel like he probably felt Goopy? rubbery. Yeah, yeah. Like his skin probably Loose. shifted yeah. more than it should when you hug another person. Yeah. I, oh my God. That put like a <laughs> mental image. I can feel that. Like I know exactly what that would be like. And I don't like that. I know that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like she doesn't, she doesn't understand, she doesn't get it, and she's like, okay. For somebody that is so paranoid at all times that her dad has been murdered, she doesn't pick up on the time that he's actually been murdered. Yeah, so she's like, she's cool, like, all right, I guess we'll hang with you yeah, for a little like, bit and so figure out what happened with Frank. Yeah, and he's like, oh well, we had to kill him, and she's yeah. like, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, yeah, he's better off dead. He just kind of like fucking sucked. He didn't have any skin. He was being really weird and trying to kill everybody yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to explain this to the police yeah and julia meanwhile sitting there with this fucking smug ass smirk yeah and just like you want to like that's such a punchable face you know yeah fuck julia and i gotta give credit to what's the actor's name is it for who uh for larry uh that is andrew robinson andrew robinson i was not gonna guess the right no. thing um <laughs> He did such a good job of like being Frank as yeah. Larry, pretending to be Larry. Like you can tell, it's a different yeah. person. Yeah, like you don't even really feel like you're job. watching the same guy. Yeah, like even his face looks just different somehow. Yeah. It's like his like his facial, like the way he's animating his face. Is, yeah, it's more unsettling. Like he did a really good job. Yeah, but um, Christy demands to see the body just to know for sure what uh, like what happened. So Julia leads her up there. Again, this body looks way smaller than it should for a grown man. Yeah, it's like he really absorbed that one right there. He got everything out of Larry for sure. Yeah. So when she's up there, the Cenobites appear and they're like, we want the man who did this. And she goes, you can't. That's my dad. When she runs downstairs to try and get Larry to leave because she's like, you don't understand. There are these creatures up there. And then that's when she puts together... Yeah, that is well, Frank. Kirsty like tries to grab her first, and she breaks free, and she runs down there to talk to her dad. And then from that interaction, she's like, "Oh shit, you're Frank. You killed mm-hmm. my dad. That was my dad up there." So then she like is running around. And I like I think she did such a good job acting in this scene too, where she's like equal parts fighting for her life, but also like coming to terms with the fact that her dad is dead. Yeah, I do like the line here where he's like, "All right, that I guess that's it for the count." Uh, the cat and mouse shit then. Yeah, which was, he suggested the line. Yeah. So, was, good on uh, him. Yeah, just in the moment, I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's good. But then they end up doing cat and mouse. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, he says, that's enough for the cat and mouse shit again. And he goes, and Julia's, like, holding Kirsty, and it looks like he's going to stab Kirsty, but then he, like, whoop, whoop, and gets Julia instead. Mm-hmm. And she goes, not me! 
Yeah. And he's like, sorry, I'd rather fuck my niece because this can't get more upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very gross. So Although he, like, I guess if we have like a ship of Theseus moment, how much of him is still her uncle or is because he's like... I don't know. Built from new parts. <laughs> I don't know. He like has like half of like, she clawed his face too. Yeah, and it's just like hanging out in strips. Yeah. <laughs> so his skin is, it does feel weird for yeah, sure. Because yeah. that doesn't happen in normal people's faces. Yeah. Um, but like, I wonder like if, since he's wearing Larry's skin now, if like, because he like reaches in to Julia and like absorbs her blood. I wonder if that would heal like the Frank, or not the Frank, the Larry. I don't skin know. on top of him. It doesn't. It doesn't heal his face. Yeah. I wonder if it like helps him become him. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but they they have like this whole hide and seek moment. So I guess it wasn't enough. To, no. With that cat. They're just it. straight up doing um, it here now. Yeah. <laughs> but they wind up in the attic, and the Cenobites and their mobile torture chamber appear. No, oh, it's so creepy. And Frank's like, you tricked me. And she's like, well, you killed my dad, so. Yeah, so fuck you, you're yeah. wearing my skin right now. This is really traumatizing for me. <laughs> I need a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Pinhead is really, really pissed that he is alive again. So yeah. they just straight up hook him back up yep. again. And they again with the this like don't look because they tell Kirsty this is not for your yeah. eyes. It's a little bit more eloquent than Frank's don't look at me, but like yeah. it's still Well, I mean they were trying to do this shit to her earlier. Like, I mean at least give her a preview. Let her know what's about to happen. So you know how our whole headcanon of John Kramer being like a fan of 80s slashers. You think he's a Cinnabite? I think that when he set up the the shotgun carousel he got really mad at the one guy at the end saying look at me he's like no you're supposed to say don't look at me yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah like he is all stretched out Mm -hmm. and this is where he says jesus wept yeah and then he just explodes yeah and then you think it's over with but uh kirsty thinks it's over with so she tries to leave but all of them Swarm her again. They're like, oh, you think it's over with, do you? So they start chasing her, but she mm-hmm. has the lament configuration. And yeah. as easy of a puzzle it is to solve, she continues to do it and mm-hmm. it zaps and each. Yeah, and she's like, ah, ah, yeah. <laughs> it just works. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah, and Steve shows up. Yeah. Yeah, because like, this is where we learn Steve's name because he's like pounding on the front door. And she goes, Steve? And we're like, oh. That's his name. Yeah, why are you even here? You're not needed. You do not provide any help at all in this scene. I think he got concerned because he went to go see her in the hospital and she wasn't there. And the doctor's like, well, by golly, that's bizarre. <laughs> and like, not at all concerned enough. And he's like, I bet she's at her dad's house, which like maybe they only recently started dating, but he has very quickly learned how important her dad is to yeah. her. So uh, that's why he that's why he's there, but he's not really contributing to the to the resolution of this. No, not at all. Well, this is where Pinhead says, we have such sights to show you. And then she responds with, go to hell, which yeah. I like that as a one-liner in this scenario. So yeah, they all get zapped. The house catches on fire, mm-hmm. and I think it's crazy that they stand there and watch the entire thing burn. Yeah, because keep going. 
going? Like, you gotta assume creatures from hell can survive some fire. Well, it's also gonna take a fucking long time for that entire thing to just go yeah. to pure rubble. But like, it cuts to them standing there. The fire's still going, but it's just like bricks and like some dust. It's mm-hmm. rubble at this point. Yeah. But she finds the lament configuration in the fire and grabs it. And tosses it into another fire. Yeah. And then the cricket man, cricket man shows up because we need more of him. I, I could have done without him. Like he could have just been an unsettling creature. Yeah, just like, like an upsetting man that yeah. eats crickets, and I would have totally accepted that. But no, he turns into a demon, and he flies away. Yep. And then it zooms out. He takes the he takes the limit configuration out of the fire though. Yeah. First. Okay. Right. Yeah, and then he goes, and then it zooms out, and then it's the configuration again oh. at the beginning of the movie. Yep, and then the movie ends. Yeah, it's just opening credits, an entire movie all the way down. Yeah. It's just like it keeps going. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, that's the end of the movie. That's how it goes. Um. Okay, so after talking about it, do you change your rating in any way? I will seed... A quarter of a point. Okay, cool. What made you do that? 6.25. I mean, it it does tell a story, which I said before. I just, I don't know. Like, I want want to like. This is a movie that I want to like, but I just don't. I get it. I get it. So You uh, like Hellraiser too, though, right? I truthfully couldn't tell you much about it. Seriously? Oh, shit, dude. It's so so fucking good. (laughs) Hellraiser 2 is amazing. Um, I think I'm going to, I'll keep mine at an 8. Okay. I do love this movie though. This movie is great. Uh, this is one that I will watch at any time. Like, I don't know. I it it's fresh. I guess like it it just tells like a different story compared to I everything do, else in I that time. I do like how unique it is. I yeah. I respect the movie for what it is. It's just one of those that doesn't speak to me for whatever reason. And I really like. I want to know why. Yeah. But it just I don't know. Okay. It's cool, man. 7.125 is our new average. All right. I like that score a lot better than IMDb's. Okay. Um, Talia, at the beginning of the movie, she wanted to play so much catch. She yeah. wanted to play fetch because if she dropped the toy, she refused to go get it herself. Yeah. But she did want to play catch. Um, then she was sleepy, but then she needed to go out in an hour and nine minutes. And granted, that's an hour and nine minutes in like the Joe Bob specials, not necessarily an hour and nine minutes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she barked when the baby was crying in the hall before the first appearance of creepy maggot baby. It's always upsetting. Yeah. You gotta protect the baby. Yeah. So Talia, I mean, Talia was living for this movie. She liked it. I, I think, think she really did. Yeah. I think she, I think she gives it an eight. I think she recognizes that that was her best poster. So yeah. she asked, she's like, I love this movie. Yes, this yes, great. absolutely. Um, Zoe started off the movie hunting. And oh I need God. to tell you guys, she found one of her little toy mice. She knew the rats were coming. Oh, yeah. She found one of her little toy mice. And we just hear her little paws skittering down the hall. And then she does essentially a Tokyo drift into the kitchen and drops the mouse and just like looks at us through the doorway. Like, yeah. what up, bitches? And then uh, she retired after and, that. Yeah, and then after <laughs> that, she came and like she sat on the couch and on the dog bed, like she stayed in the living room. She was there for most of the movie. So I'm going to call it a yes. I mean, I think she was very excited to watch that because she ran in and Tokyo drifted in. Yes. She's like, I'm making an appearance for this one. I'm watching that shit. Yes. She likes it. Okay. Um, who did you relate to? Um, Kirsty in her frustration of trying to get coffee but not having all of the supplies needed. <laughs> um, I relate to 
Uh, I relate to the party guests because I feel <laughs> so I'm uncomfortable. Like, I need to leave. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> watching the whole dynamic of this family play out. Um, and I like, but I liked hearing the story because they were enthralled with his story. But. I do think that was a nice scene transition. I stand by that. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and then they also got, they were also there present watching the whole Chris or Chrissy getting hit on and like just yeah. looking at Larry's reaction. Oh, man. They're like, oh, our kids are going to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I relate to that. I was watching that whole thing play out. Uh, okay, do we have a dream sequel for this? We can do this because this is not a franchise that we're covering. We will cover more. I promise that. I want to see... I want to see the the heaven. You want to see heaven? Yeah. Okay. I want to see Talia Pinhead. I want to see Puphead. Pup. Oh, Puphead. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I guess it is interesting. Like, what would a heaven look like in this type of universe, right? It. You know what? It just made me think of. So remember that time at the Mexican restaurant where they were playing Puss in Boots: The Last Wish? Yeah. And it was really sad, and we were having a bad time watching it. That's your heaven? No, but it made me think of where they got the map, and like whoever was holding it, it was like... Their map, their world? Yeah, it was like what their internal world was in the moment, and so like both the cats are going through, and it's creepy and mean, and then when the dog does it, like it's like rainbows. Yeah, and okay, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. Um, Dude, that's what the lament yeah. configuration is. You hold it, it becomes what you want it to be. <laughs> it could be Puphead, it could be Pinhead. Yeah. I, and in this movie, it would be Puphead. I don't think that is the truth, though, because I don't think Kirstie wanted screaming evil oh, no, baby. That's, that's definitely not the truth. <laughs> Maybe she did. I don't know. That's a fucked up family. We don't really know much about Kirstie. We talked about that. Maybe that's she true. is fucked up. She was sweaty in bed. Yeah. <laughs> As if that's damning. <laughs> yeah. Right there. The smoking gun. She was sweaty. <laughs> okay. Um, new tackling? I mean, I personally liked my hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. I like that. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So uh, we got reviews. Okay. Um, there is a Roger Ebert review. I didn't choose it, but it's a 0.5. I just wanted to choose one that actually had things to say because I feel like Roger Ebert, he just like shits on things without actually telling, like giving a legit reason why he hates it. He just doesn't like horror. So, you know. All right. So this is like a one out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. This person says, I understand that movies from our youth sometimes seem better than they are. I get that, and it's time it was likely groundbreaking. However, as someone who hadn't seen it before and therefore had no nostalgic ties to it, it was an awful waste of time. I can deal with old school effects. The special effects makeup was the only impressive part of this film for me, considering how old it is. But the complete lack of plot and lack of explanation of character motivation made it hard to finish. It wasn't entertaining in any way, relying heavily on shot gore and pretentious over-explanation of the viewer. Also, I was truly disappointed to find out how not scary and rather weak the iconic Pinhead is. His demise, and the other Sinnohs, was highly unlikely and utterly unbelievable. Really sad this didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, I think this is definitely somebody who heard about Hellraiser as a franchise and went in expecting one thing and got the other. They wanted to see Cenobites. They wanted yeah. to see Pinhead like kick shit. But he I don't doesn't. agree with them about it relying on like shock value and gore because... They then go on to say about how 
there's over explanation. Yeah. But it's like you said before, it's a drama. And <coughs> again, <coughs> clearly this doesn't have to be everybody's cup of tea cuz Yeah. It's not yours. Yeah. Yeah. For but different you, you reasons, recognize, but you yeah. recognize the good in it, like why it is what it is or how people see it that way. But yeah, I can definitely understand why somebody would be like let down the first time they watch this. Yeah, like I get it. Having it built up by all kinds of people and then you're going in here and this is what it is. Yeah, I can see that. It's just one of those that like I just I I I understand it, but I don't get it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. At least you understand it. This person didn't understand it. <laughs> I think that they're better off watching the later Hellraiser movies where they focus more on the Cinebites. I mean, even two has a lot more of that because they're yeah. in like hell most yeah. of the time in that movie. This movie really wasn't about the Cinebites. No, it's not. So. But they became so popular that they took over the franchise. But like Julia was supposed to be like the villain straight yeah. up. Like Qu- Clive Barker even said so himself, I think. So, you know, take it for what you want, but it's different. It's not, this isn't that movie. Okay. I got some listener reviews. Okay. So we will start off on Instagram. Cube saves. He says, a comfort movie for me, a romance thriller with a sexy pain. I don't know. A romance thriller with sexy pain demons. What's not to love? I do like that description of it. Yeah, a romance. I think thriller. that's how people should always <laughs> describe this movie. Yeah, with sexy pain. Demons. Yeah, it's not yeah. about sexy yeah. pain yeah. demons. Yeah, I like it. Um, all right, Michael Lee Howard. Mm-hmm. He's got his. He says, at first glance, Hellraiser seems like a dive into a dark and gross world of body horror, but at its core, Hellraiser is a movie all about hedonism and the depravity that exists deep inside ourselves. Does one give into the urges or resist them? I have been a fan of this film for years. For a Bug Ted movie from 1987, the effects are pretty good as well. Eight out of ten. All right. I like it. Yeah, I think that the I think this movie looks great, and I embrace the cheesy 80s effects because I don't know. It's like I think just in that one moment it gets bad. I still appreciate it, but I think all the practical effects are incredible in this. And I do like the take on it that it's like looking at human depravity and how will how low you're willing to go and i think julia's character really embodies that especially because she's like Mm -hmm. do do i sink down to this place yeah it's on like a bunch of different levels like you know frank is like you know how low he'll go and you know you see that but then yeah it's pulling somebody else down to that level too and seeing that transition and how it affects everybody else around them it's definitely interesting. I like that take on it a lot. Uh, over on Twitter, Chad says, truly an unfuckwithable movie, even if the very last scene is wonky, doesn't matter when the rest of the flick is so damn good. Yeah, we could literally cut just like the last 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah, it'd be totally fine. I think people's problems are like the the lightning and the house just burning down half-heartedly. <laughs> like it just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> uh, Aquile Boob says, Oh, I remember the VHS cover alone scared the shit out of me as a kid. It's creepy, the effects are wild, and it has one hell of a memorable demon or whatever the fuck Pinhead is. Yeah. Okay. Sexy Pinhead. pain demon. Yeah. And I had read that um, apparently all of the Cenobites had speaking parts originally in the script, but um, the makeup on the other two kept them from being able to speak, so all of the lines went to Pinhead and Deep Throat. So that's why, like, Pinhead kind of stole the show. I think that, like, they yeah. got, like, the best lines for sure. Well, I thought Deep Throat, honestly, had, like, more screen time than Pinhead, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Because, um, like, 
Deep Throat's the one that chases Christy yeah. like, right after everything goes down. Like that's the most aggressive sent mm-hmm. by out of them. That's it. Okay. Those are our reviews. So thank you guys for participating. We appreciate reading those. And uh, okay, so what do we got next week? <gasps> We're going back to Woodsboro. That's right. We got our franchise, our actual franchise recovering next week. Yes. I'm very excited. It's Scream 5, 5 Cream, or Scream 2022. I guess it really just depends on what level of nerd you are. Um, right now, you can watch it on Paramount Plus or Prime Premium, or you can rent it from Redbox, YouTube, Google Play, or Vudu. Okay. Uh, I think it's worth a watch. I'm curious to see how I land on it next week. Yeah, that's the one that you and I have been yeah, flip-flopping on. Yeah, I constantly on. flip-flop on it. Every time I watch it, I have a different opinion. So I'm curious to see what opinion I have next week when we're analyzing it. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so yeah, watch that. Uh Give us a review whenever we ask for those next week. And um, just kind of tune in next Thursday for whenever we do that. But uh, in the meantime, meantime, you can find us on Patreon mm-hmm. and join the ranks of Eric and Vivi of Shaken Not Scared, Joe, Freakatron. as is his full name, Michael and Amber. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yes, we appreciate you. If you want to support us, but not financially, that's cool. We don't blame you. Uh, times are tough. Inflation's real. Yes. You can just like... Follow, subscribe, review, share us, tell your friends about mm-hmm. us. All those things are very helpful yes. in their own way. And, you know, we appreciate any little bit that you guys do for us. Mm-hmm. Even just listening is awesome. So thank you guys for being here. But mm-hmm. if you could do those things too, we would appreciate it even more. And I want to say, like, one of my favorite things in the world is when somebody, like, tweets while they're listening to that episode. Oh, yeah, I love that. It, it oh, cracks me up. Like, Tyler, um, you're... Uh, your whole thing with uh, high tension. Oh yeah. <laughs> we wrote a whole new ending for that. Yeah, or the yeah, sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I love seeing like that. I oh. I, lo- I love knowing that you guys like <laughs> and uh, find us funny. Michael Lee Howard also told us uh, he watched Doom Asylum. <laughs> he uh, he agreed with our rating. He said the laugh was really really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So um, everybody watched Doom Asylum, too. I, I, I still want to hear more thoughts on Doom Asylum because yeah. that fucking movie is still in my mind. <laughs> Chad, Mandy, we're coming for you next yeah. time we see Look you in person. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so uh, thanks to everybody for being here. We appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next time. Oh, wait, social, med- social media? Oh, social media. Yeah, Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast. Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at LeastFavePod. Uh, our website's what's your least favorite scary movie.com. And you can email us at LeastFavoritesCaryMovie at gmail.com. Yeah. So, so uh, go do all that, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. All right. I have to pee really bad. Sorry, it hit.